All right, kids, last week, who remembers anything about our story last week, our Bible story last week? That's something, Maya, what did, we, what did we learn about last week? We had different groups. We had a group over here and a group over here and some guys in the middle. Yeah, who was the guys in the middle? What was their problem? Remember they had a leprosy, right? We had four lepers in the middle. And what time of day did God work? Remember what the, we used the word, God works at? Twilight, yeah, in the twilight hours, God was working. All the songs you sang today about God's working, God's might, and that was great, all right? So we learned that God worked at twilight for these four lepers. Well, today, our Bible story is going to be from the New Testament. So Acts chapter 16, if you haven't turned there already, Acts chapter 16, we'll see God working now, uh, not at twilight in this story, but God working at midnight, Midnight, an hour that many of you have not seen in many years, the hour of midnight, all right? And there is a midnight every day, well, you, you're usually asleep for it, midnight. But God is working while we're sleeping, while we don't see it, God is still at work. And so here we see this story, Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi here in this story, and we find them in this city, and they find themselves in prison, the inner prison. The Bible says they've been thrown into the inner prison, and the, the guys, the magistrates, the rulers said, throw them in the inner, the inner prison and lock them down, put them in stocks, put them in shackles, keep them in bondage in the inner part of the prison. And here we find the story, pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse number 25, at midnight. Look at uh, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had, had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Great statement in the Bible. And they said, and a great answer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Acts 16.32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. Great story here that we find happens at midnight. In the darkest time of the night, uh, God is still working. So several things to look at today uh, as we quickly move through this uh, idea of God working at midnight. First of all, I want to see the, the, the power of prayer and praise. The power of prayer and praise. Speaking of the power of prayer and praise, let's pray before we get into the full message, all right? Heavenly Father, we come now and we, we ask that you would hear our prayer now, that you would speak to our hearts and challenge us through your word. May we never pray in a service just out of habit or routine, but may we understand that each time that we bow our heads and speak your name, that we enter the presence of the Almighty. And so as we enter your presence, we pray that you calm the heart of every child and adult now and speak to every heart today and do what you need to do in our lives to make us more like you. Father, we look forward today as uh, the first day of the week and have many days ahead of us. So feed our souls with the nourishment we need 
to get us through, not just uh, surviving, but thriving through the next few days. Thank you for the word we've already heard today. And I pray that this would just be something else extra for us to carry through and help us. In your precious name, we ask these things. Amen. The power of prayer and praise. And so here, at the darkest hour, in the deepest part of the prison, God's people were praising and praying, singing songs. And, and we see here, especially the idea of praising, we think in this situation, it's hard to praise God when the situations are not in our favor, when things are difficult. And here we have two men of God sitting in stocks in the inner prison for doing the right thing, and yet they're praising the Lord at midnight. But praise is not based on our changing circumstances, but on God's unchanging character. Let that think, sink in for a little bit. If we, if we had a praise time, most of us, if I said, hey, let's have a testimony time, let's give praise to God, you might say, I praise the Lord for my health. I praise the Lord for my family. I praise the Lord for the freedom that we have. I praise the Lord for this. And I praise the Lord. We, we travel. We praise the Lord for traveling mercies. And we praise the Lord for the situations that we're in and the circumstances of life. That's wonderful. But often our praise time doesn't say, it doesn't start with, I praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. I praise the Lord for his, un, his faithfulness in my times of unfaithfulness. See, that, that's, see true praise, and, and I'm not saying don't, we should praise the Lord for changing. When, when the circumstances are in our favor and things are good and we're feeling good and God gives us a blessing after blessing, we ought to praise the Lord for those things. But praise is deeper than that. These men circumstantially had nothing to praise the Lord for. They're sitting in prison in stocks and bonds. In stocks and bonds. <laughs> They really are. They're bound in bonds. and they're st- Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Next time I preach that, I'll use that again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> stocks and bonds. <laughs> I'm bound in stocks and bonds as well. That's a whole other ballgame. All right. Stocks. They're in the stocks. They're bound in stocks and shackled. So there's no circumstantially not much to praise the Lord for. But at midnight, when the circumstances were against them, they praised the Lord. One preacher said it this way, if God is worth praising right now, he's worth praising at any moment. Think about that. If he's worth, if, if he's worth praising at any moment in your life, he's worth praising at every moment of your life. Because God does not change. He's praiseworthy day in the midnight hours, at twilight, in the morning hours. God is worthy of our praise. And so often we're wrapped up in our circumstances and we praise the God in the good times and we plead with God in the bad times, which we should. But can we not also at those times of pleading make it a time of praising because of who he is? God is good when the circumstances are not. The best time to praise the Lord is probably the hardest time to praise the Lord. When you don't feel like praising the Lord, that's when we ought to make ourselves turn our hearts to praise and think about who he is, not what he's done. Is God's plan for you, circumstantially, to have ups and downs of your life? That's God's plan for every person. We just finished our study in the life of Joseph in our small groups. What a roller coaster ride that was. His highs are higher than my highs and his lows are lower than my lows. But he, but he just was, the Lord was with him. And we can praise the Lord for the presence of God. through the. Up. It's God's plan for you to have ups and downs. It's God's plan for you to have good days and bad days. 
It's God's plan to take you through deep water so you can trust Him more. True, true faith only reveals itself in difficult times. And so we have got to learn, and we learn a lesson to, from this uh, principle from the prison here we can learn is that there's power in prayer and praise even in the darkest hour at midnight. Praise the Lord. And listen, in this situation, it does change the circumstances. But it may not change the circumstances, but it will always change your spirit. It'll always, it'll always change you. If you could make yourself get your eyes off your circumstances, get your eyes off yourself for a little bit, and turn your eyes from mortal man to immortal God, eternal God, look at him, look to who, who's uh, the, the God who created heaven and earth, who invites you into his presence and look to him, there'll be, there'll be time and, and reason for praise, and it'll turn your heart. It'll change your spirit. Our, my, maybe I, I think we're all in the same boat. Our spirits go up and down. Our, our attitudes go up and down, but God does not change. There is power, my friend, in prayer and praise. And we learn that here as these men sit here in prison. Number two on your outline. We also see here in verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praise unto God, and the prisoners heard them. There's power in an open testimony. Here are God's men praising and praying. They, they could do it quietly. You, you understand that, right? Can you not? You could be praising the Lord right now. Some of you, you could be praying right now. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So obviously, it doesn't have to be our, but here these men are in prison and they're praying and praising, not quietly at this moment, openly. There's power here in their open testimony. Did you ever wonder why the Philippian jailer, like his initial reaction is, what must I do to be saved? Obviously, there's more to the story of something like, it wasn't like, why are you guys here? Like, tell me what happened. You know, give me the whole, the, he already knew what he needed. There already had been some, some communication somewhere. He knew that they had what he needed. The power of an open testimony. Other prisoners heard them. Our testimony shines brightest in the darkest of situations. Oh, our world, uh, Pastor, our world's so terrible. Man, back in the day when prayer was in school, and I remember when I, we said the Lord, how many remember when you prayed in school and said the Lord's Prayer in, in public school? All right. Well, those are good old days, right? Because we lived in a Christian nation, and now we, we and I'm, I'm, not on, I'm not preaching against this, I'm on board. Our, our nation has become darker as we remove God. It's somewhat biblical that, that as a nation rejects God, darkness comes. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So it's biblical. We're, we are just living out the, the, the bad part of the Bible as a, as a country, as a nation. And we talk about the darkest and how dark it is and how hard it is, but light shines brightest in darkness. And God is worthy to be praised in the darkest of times and in the brightest of times. And it's easier to have an open testimony for God now than ever before in our country. I used to tell our teenagers this when they're talking about getting jobs. I'd say, you go to work, you show up in the morning, you work all day, and you go home and you stop, don't complain, you'll always have a job. Because most people don't do that. I was just talking, who was I just talking to? 
saying they could not find, oh, I went to get some lumber for our house. And the guys there saying, we can't get people to work in the lumber yard. He said, why would someone go out in the cold and slug lumber around and then go flip hamburgers for the same price? He said, I have to, I have to, I have to schedule 10 interviews to get one person to show up. Not, not that I can hire one person to show to come to the interview. He said, we phone call and we talk openly, personally to 10 people. One of the 10 will show up for the interview. So I just tell teenagers, you have no problem getting a job, keeping a job. If you go there and have character, you'll always have a job. It's easy to stand out in the culture, the work culture that we live in as a teenager. Can I say to you as a Christian, it's very easy to stand out as a Christian if you just live a little bit of the Bible. Because the, the world is dark. And as we follow the Word of God, the light of God's Word, it makes us shine. There is power in an open testimony. Here these men are in a dark situation, in the darkest of the inner prisons, and at midnight, they openly sing the praises and pray to God. There's power in an open testimony. Can I challenge you, in the dark world we live in, have an open and clear testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Last thing, power of prayer and praise, the power of open testimony. This is why I want to spend a little time here. The power, and these are bigger words, providential understanding, understanding that God's in control. There's power in providential understanding. Understanding that God has everything under control. Hey, kids, can I tell you that our God is so great and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. He's got everything under control. He has everything under control at your school. He has everything under control at your house. He has everything under control. He allows things for certain times, but our God is great, strong, and mighty. And there's power in our own heart in understanding the providential uh, power of God. So we've talked mostly here about Paul and Silas, but this really isn't the story of Paul and Silas, is it? It's the story of God and the Philippian jailer. That's, that's what this story is about. See, in Acts chapter 16, the whole chapter is about the formation of this brand new church in Philippi. In the, the beginning part, we meet a lady named Lydia, who is a businesswoman who sold purple. And, and Paul went to the place where prayers were made to be won. And he, and he met with her and he explained to her the gospel. And she got saved and she, we believe, became part of the early church of Philippi. Also in this chapter, we meet a young lady uh, and one pastor said this way, Lydia was the liberated lady. She was like the independent businesswoman. And here we have an enslaved girl who was demon-possessed, being used uh, for her, because she's demon-possessed, being used by people to get rich and make gain off her. And like that, God set her free. And so we believe that as Paul later on writes the book of Philippi, and he read this letter from the Apostle Paul that sitting in the congregation that day is, is likely Lydia and likely this little girl who was bound by demons and now sits in church free. And so here we have the story of God forming this Philippian church and, and now we come to the Philippian jailer. And so really the climax of the story, if we, what's the climax of the story? Man, there's a great earthquake and Paul and Silas were freed. That's, the, that's not the climax. That's just part of the story. See, the, the headline is not, you know, prison doors open as earthquakes. That's not the headline we're, we're looking at here. 
in, in, in journalism, they call that burying the lead, hiding the headline. See, we, we talk about, oh, the earthquake, because that's amazing. Man, there's an earthquake in the, in the doors. What kind of earthquake was that? Do you think about that? That the foundations of the prison shook. The, the jailer was asleep. The, there's no damage that we ever see other than like the doors were open and the, and the, and the chains fell off. So it's a supernatural. The timing says supernatural and the type of earthquake says supernatural earthquake. So the headline's not, you know, the prison doors were open, captives set free. Really, the, the headline is this. Philippian jailer finally set free. The jailer found freedom forever and ever and ever. And today, and we believe that as Paul wrote the book of Philippians, there's the Philippian jailer and his house filling up a whole roll, <laughs> right? If you picture that. But also, to get this. In the courts of heaven today, is a Philippian jailer who was set free because God sent a little earthquake. Because some men in the prison, when they were just doing the work of God and were set in prison, just continued to do the work of God that they could. Praising, praying, openly testifying of Jesus Christ right where they were. Philippian jailer set free. See, I believe God shook the prison not for Paul and Silas. He shook the prison for the jailer. Think about that. Is there, think in your minds, Bible students, in the book of Acts, other apostles who were in prison that were released from prison? Anybody come to mind? Peter. I think it's three or four chapters earlier. How did Peter get out? Was it a great earthquake? No. Angel came and escorted them out. Like, was the angel on vacation that he couldn't do that today? Like, what, what was the deal? Why didn't the angel come back to get these guys? I'll tell you why. Let's, replay, let's rewrite the story. They're in prison. They're praising. They're praying. Everything's good. They're open testimony. And the Philippian jailer is sleeping. Angel comes, escorts Paul and Silas out. Philippian jailer wakes up. Prisoners are gone. Finish the story. Suicide. Suicide. Right? And so in God's providential plan to rescue the Philippian jailer, for some reason, he sent an angel to Peter, but he sends an earthquake for Paul and Silas so that in this whole story, the Philippian jailer finds Jesus Christ and finds eternal life. So the story is all about the Philippian jailer and his need for Jesus Christ. In fact, really, the story really begins earlier than that, back in verse number nine, with the Macedonian call. It's in the same chapter. So Paul's here like, let's go over here. Spirit won't let me go over there. Let's go over here. I can't go there. Spirit won't let me go there. I have this vision, and I need to go to Macedonia. Let's go to Macedonia. Guess what the first city of Macedonia they go to? Philippi. So God's just working. God has to move. God's like the master chess player, just moving things around, getting Paul and Silas to the Philippian jailer. How do you get to meet the jailer? Well, it's one really good way. You've got to go to prison, <laughs> right? Does anybody here know a, anybody here know a jailer? Working in a prison? Prison guard? One, yeah, couple, couple guys. I don't. I know one way I'd meet them. <laughs> Go to prison. I don't really want to do that. But if, if God wanted me to witness to a, a jailer, that's a good way to get me there. So he put, God put them in prison so that the Philippian jailer would have a chance to receive Christ and his house. And so at the end, 
Again, I'm, if I'm Paul and Silas and I'm praising God and God shakes the doors and earthquakes are open and I'm, I'm, I'm free, what am I doing? I'm out of there. I'm running. God set me free. I'm done. But see, Paul and Silas has this understanding of God's providential hand and so they stick around. They keep the jailer from committing suicide. They leave the jailer in that statement, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What amazing gospel witness in that one verse. And really, there's a little bit more to the story as I close. In this story, the next day, Paul and Silas are released. So the magistrates, the rulers, send to them, say, release them from prison. They can go. No, they don't. They say, no, we're not going to go. We're Romans, and you put us in here in the wrong place. Someone's, someone speculated this, too. This is speculation. Timothy's with them. Luke is writing the story. We don't find them in prison. But we know Luke and Timothy aren't Romans. So for whatever reason, maybe God only put the Romans in prison so that they could get out, and then they get out. We're not going out without them coming to get us. We, they put us in publicly, they're going to take us out publicly because we're Roman citizens. Why? You think, why? What's the big deal, Paul? Go. <laughs> you're free. Run. No, I'm going to stick around and talk to the jailer. Okay, now you're free. They want you out. No, I want them to come get me. It's like he wants to stay in prison. But listen to this. Think about this. God is not just building, God is building a church here. And so he's put these, he's got Lydia and this demon-possessed girl, and he's got the Philippian jailer, and they're all, you know, can you imagine the openness of the gospel for everyone else to believe if now the magistrates had to say publicly, it's okay to preach about Jesus Christ. We put these men in prison, but we shouldn't have. We openly proclaim they can get out free. That's a different story. See, God is opening the door for a Philippian church. God, all these things are working. We just read the story and say, oh, these two men, God shook the prison for them. That's not the headline. The headline is God is building his church. And the Philippian jailer was a part of it, and God brought all that. And when the Philippian jailer was, was, was confronted with his opportunity, he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. None of us are in prison today, but there's, there's some principles that we can learn from the prison. No matter how dark the situation gets, there's always a reason to praise the Lord. Hey, folks, can we learn to praise the Lord for who he is, not just for what he does? Because who he is never changes. What he does, what he allows, what he wants us to go through for all of eternity, for, I'm sorry, all, all of history has always been up and down for all of his people. Look at Paul's life, shipwrecked, beaten, all these things, ups and downs of Paul's life. That's part of God's plan. But God doesn't change. And so there's always praise to be made to the to God who never changes. Look for ways that God wants you to use your circumstances to point others to Christ. God has you there for a purpose. Whatever it is, uh, some of our folks are going through medical needs, hospital visits, tests. And God puts you in that situation. Maybe it's not a Philippian jailer, but there's a St. Thomas nurse. Right? Do you ever think about that? Maybe there's a St. Thomas nurse. Maybe in the course, God's bringing, putting you in a position so that you can be an open testimony. It doesn't mean you have to say, hey, let me give you a message from Acts chapter 16. Don't, don't do that. 
but talk about the Lord. Have the joy of the Lord in your life. God's brought you there. See God's hand in what he's doing and then understand that God wants to use you as part of his providential plan to get the salvation message to other people. There's great the circumstances up and down, but there's great power in praising and praying for praying and praising. There's great power in an open testimony. And there's great power in your life when you understand God's providential hand in your life. Principles from the prison that God works at midnight. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I hope this will be an encouragement and a challenge to you. My challenges for you this week, and for myself, is to daily praise the Lord for who He is, not just what He does. And if you find yourself in a dark place this week, can you find a way to openly praise the Lord even though your circumstances are not good? Will you have an open testimony in the place that God puts you this week? Will you see God's hand in your life moving you around, using you for His honor and His glory? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would remind us of these principles at different points in the week as we need them most. Father, as you look down on this auditorium, you see every individual heart and you see the future. You see the next seven days. We don't. We see, we see right now. But as we need the truth, would it, would it come back to our hearts and minds and remind us? Your, your, your word says that the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us and bring things to our remembrance. And we ask that you do that for us and take the principles from Acts chapter 16 that we may apply it in our life. Help us to have an open testimony for you. And may others know Jesus Christ because of what you allow us to go through. We ask these things in the name of our Savior. Amen.